Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. <laughs> that was pretty cool, John. Yeah, you Thank almost you. you almost seemed uncertain there, my friend. Well, the echo threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you are you in your uh, isolation chamber? Is that is that where the echo is coming from? Yeah, must be. I'm I'm here in my ice cave, uh-huh. and fortress of solitude, <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, see, I don't think you're going to get any sympathy from the people, you know, in the uh, Midwest that were suffering at the uh, minus uh, 50 degrees. Um, yeah, recently. that's probably you're, true. You're still in California. What is it? What is it down to? Uh, like 40 oh, or something where you're at? Is yeah. That, is that the problem? It's, uh, 40, yeah. yeah. You can barely wear our flip-flops. Right? Oh, yeah. In the words of Dr. Evil, boo frickety who. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually a balmy thirty-two degrees here today. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have uh, we have on the other line uh, uh, John Blickman, our uh, fine sponsor and friend, uh, inventor of uh, many many interesting things, and some of them uh, involved in brewing, like the uh, cornicle and uh, uh, the brew easy, and uh, so many other cool uh, inventions. Uh, Beer gun? Everybody heard of the beer gun? Uh, anyways, uh, John's going to join us today for uh, a show about uh, measurements. We actually thought uh, we actually thought. Uh, Bevo, you make me laugh. Uh, uh, we actually thought uh, it would be an interesting uh, subject to cover in in some depth, uh, especially the measurements that are critical to breweries. Right. Um, right. Yeah, and it's, you know, you'd mentioned that as a topic, and I instantly thought that's a great topic because there's so many measurements we do, and I've really not, uh, uh, you know, really heard a podcast that covers just that. So I think this is going to be a great show. Right. And, you know, one of the things that got me thinking about it was um, a lot of the failures of uh, homebrewers early on is in a failure to measure. Um, you know, uh, 
people are failing to measure, you know, their temperatures, um, especially in fermentation, you know, precise temperature uh, control is, is actually quite important in fermentation. Uh, pressures when they're carbonating, um, volumes. Yeah, uh, I can't tell you the number of peop- mm-hmm. people that say, oh, yeah, well, I didn't uh, get the efficiency I want, or yeah, I'm getting over 100% efficiency. Boy, I'm doing really well. It's like, well, you're probably miss- messing up your measurements. Um, you know, our weights, they're, they're uh, struggling to, uh, you know, repeat their, their recipes because they're not getting weights right, or they're, they're struggling to measure really small amounts like, uh, you know, maybe a zinc addition uh, on a, on a five gallon batch is really minuscule. And there's some, some tips and tricks to, uh, uh, kind of get around that, um, I don't know, uh, maybe lengths? I don't know. Uh, do people struggle measuring lengths? Um, <laughs> I know Scott and I both uh, can measure easily a foot. Yeah. Um, whether uh, whether uh, that's, that's it's where for calibration all the comes in. You know? <laughs> right. It's a specially <laughs> designed ruler. Comparison, yes. Rubber ruler. Rubber ruler. Uh, and we should probably. Uh, mention in their uh, gravities, you know, sp- specific gravities, yeah. uh, densities, the of liquids. temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and that's uh, a big part of measuring temperature accurately. Uh, you know, you can't really measure your specific gravities without being able to measure your temperature. A lot of times, people are just kind of going, "Well, you know, it feels like sixty, or you know, they're not adjusting. Uh, you know, so a lot of those, a lot of those things, I think, are. Uh, you know, it, it bears some uh, in-depth discussion. Let's say, yeah. You know, we get you know we get people saying, "Hey, my my graduations are are off on uh, on this kettle or whatever." Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the first things we ask them, "Well, how are you measuring it?" You know, because it's you know as you know when you're in engineering school, John remembers this, and um, you probably do as well. Jamil is the first thing you do is question your measurement. You need to be I'm sure your measurement is mm-hmm. correct before mm-hmm. uh, you go taking action otherwise. Right. Yep. Yep. That's we we had a like a high CO2 reading and we're all running around trying to figure out where a CO2 leak is coming from. And then I'm like, well, um, you know, are we sure that the meter is reading correctly? Because, uh, you know, nothing seems to have changed and we don't find a leak. So maybe the meter is off. So. Well, that's well, that's a definite uh, good point. Well, I think you know we ought to start like we usually do with some uh, definitions of uh, of uh, that relate to our subject. So we're we're going to do a, a series of shows, and we're going to cover um, you know temperature and pressure and volume and weight and uh, probably uh, densities. Uh, maybe maybe I'll throw in a few tips on length. I'm just saying I've I've got my own little. Uh, Tips and tricks. If you'll pardon the term tip. <laughs> well, you I the, knew that was going there. You want to measure Sorry. from the tip to the base or from point A to point B. And it is a matter of perspective. You want to get your hose length right. Um, you know, you don't want to cut your hose too short and then you're not reaching like uh, our, our friend Porno Steve. Uh, you know, it's too short a hose. Yeah, Just having to like that'll happen. Drop it from the ceiling to <laughs> to some bucket below. 
uh, and he didn't measure his specific gravity. And you know, he it was it, this would be a good show for him. Indeed, I uh, guess that's you. He inspired this show, right? Exactly. When I yeah. And, you know, it's common. So if you're one of the people that hasn't really been measuring things correctly, we're here to help. We've got lots of information. And I think this applies to uh, pro brewers, too, because a lot of people, especially transitioning from homebrew to pro brew, they don't have uh, a lot of insight into, you know, when you have uh, errors in measurement, uh, in homebrew, it's not a big deal. When you have errors in measurement in in the commercial side of things, uh, you know you can end up with an ABV that's off and out of spec. And then the TTB they they go around and check, um, and they will tell you if you're uh, <laughs> and, and send you a nasty letter saying, "Hey, this beer is not what it says on the label." So you have to be careful of that. It actually does matter. And, uh, you know, small uh, errors in measurement can be multiplied greatly uh, the bigger you get. Uh, John, why don't you start us off, uh, Palmer, why don't you start us off with uh, uh, some basic definitions of measurement? Um, Sure. Well, yeah, we talk um, about, you know, accuracy, precision, and resolution, and um, resolution is your ability to, you know, the degree to which you can differentiate results. Mm-hmm. Um, and very often it's, you know, measured in terms of your decimal points. Is it, you know, one decimal point place, two decimal places, tenths, hundreds, thousandths, that sort of thing. Um, and resolution is great, but if you don't have accuracy and precision, um, you really have nowhere to go with it. Uh, now, accuracy and precision are uh, a little different. Accuracy is like resolution, um, and it mean it, but accuracy is um, basically how calibrated your results are. Hmm. You know, um, you know, you you say something is one liter or 10 degrees or, you know, um, 15.0 feet, um, your accuracy is is how calibrated that measurement actually is. Um, precision is how repeatable your measurements are. Um, and, you know, it's, this is really more... Um, I guess more prevalent in electronic instruments, um, say than physical measurements like a ruler. Um, but you know, you want if you if you measure the same pH of a solution of your work twice, mm-hmm. or the you know temperature twice, um, and you know, do you get the same result or you get a drifting result? And that that is precision. So if it's you- kind of like the grouping of your. Measurements. Right. So if you had a, uh, a bent ruler and mm-hmm. uh, it would always measure five inches, but really it was six, um, your precision is still high, but your accuracy yeah. is off. That's correct. Yes. Amongst other problems. Right. And the resolution on that ruler might be the uh, gradations, the the number of lines on the ruler is kind of the resolution of the ruler, the resolution of the tool you're using to measure. 
Yeah. You can insist that it's actually 5.1 or 5.15, but most people just round to five. There you go. Or up to six. Yes, or up to six, yes. I mean, bent ruler, you know. Depending on your applications. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, and uh, John Blickman, uh, speaking of the bent ruler, uh, the same thing happens. I've seen this on uh, gauges. I buy a lot of gauges for tanks and things like that at the brewery. And um, we check them all on a – we made our own little uh, bench gauge, and they'll be off, you know, 4 PSI, 7 PSI, plus or minus, you know. So it's a massive range. It's like a one-atmosphere range (laughs) of error on these things. Yikes. Um, And that's fine. I mean, they can be adjusted, but – You know, most people are not going through that. They're buying a gauge, brand new, and they're like, well, it's new. it's right. Yeah. And uh, it may not be. Uh, Same thing for temperature, pressure, what what have you. Uh, They could all be off. So, I mean, there's there's calibration. So, tell us, you know, what exactly we're talking about with calibration. Well, I'll use a... I use an analogy that's it's typically used in the measurement, and in it and it shows a um, a series of targets, and um, and it talks about the difference between accuracy and pers- and precision, like John was talking about. But in there, um, I'll, I'll I'll talk about it a little bit, and and I'll show you the relationship between those and calibrating. So something that's accurate and precise would be, you know, all the rifle holes through the bullseye. That would be accurate and precise. Now, you can have a very precise rifle that's not accurate, meaning all the bullets are pretty much, bullet holes are right next to each other, but it's way off the bullseye. That's precise, but not accurate. You can also have something that is accurate, but not precise. So, it's all centered around that bullseye, but they're just, you know, they're just kind of not real tightly grouped together. That would be, um, accurate because it's representing overall the center of the target but it's not uh, very precise and then there's stuff that looks like you were drunk when you were shooting and they're all over the target um so that's not accurate or precise now that explains my shooting yeah yeah so when um the key thing you really need to be able to excuse me to, to be able to calibrate something is precision so they have to be grouped together. The numbers have to be grouped together, as John was was talking. It need, when you put that pH meter in, it needs to read very close to the same thing every time. So once you have that, um, you can actually then, it's like adjusting the scope. You adjust for windage and you adjust for elevation, and you can bring that um, that grouping of bullet holes right into the center of the target. So that's really what we're doing with calibration is um, first we have to work on precision and then we can, um, like in the, a, a lot of pressure gauges will have a, uh, an adjustment screw. Same thing with uh, thermometers, like a dial thermometer will have an adjustment screw. And uh, so if, if you've given that a known uh, you know, so you're you're really that's the other thing is you're comparing it to a known. You know, when I when I get a new instrument, I always assume that um, it's not correct until proven otherwise. So um, I go uh, 
uh, and find a find a known. And in the case of uh, temperature and other gauges, there's a uh, you can get uh, NIST certified instruments. So it's a National Institute of Standards and Testing, I believe is what that is, isn't it, John? Yes. Uh, and so you can you can buy um, uh, these these instruments and you know, these labs will uh, certify it very closely. And then what you can do uh, in you know in the case of pressure or temperature is you put those two devices close to each other in that uh, vessel or in the liquid, and you just compare them. And and so I've I've got one that's known, and then I can adjust my other one over to meet that. Uh, that's that's great if you've got uh, you know enough money to buy uh, one of these you know NISD certified temperature or pressure gauges, um, but a good way to do that uh, for a thermometer, for example, um, is use a couple of known type temperatures. And one of the the easiest ways to calibrate a thermometer is the ice bath uh, method. And uh, you know I recommend using um, distilled water and making some ice cubes. And getting a, a little insulated vessel and um, put some ice, about half ice cubes, half water in, and wait a few minutes for that uh, to come to equilibrium. And then you can place your uh, thermometer in there and get a, um, a reference of 32 degrees Fahrenheit or zero C. And, and then you can get, uh, you can adjust your thermometer while leaving in that liquid to meet that. You can do the same thing up on boiling, it's just a little more. Uh, risky with the steam and and boiling water, but it's also good to get a couple references because it could very well be accurate at zero degrees uh, Celsius, but at 100 degrees Celsius it may be off. Um, so I take things a little step further and say, where is the temperature the most important for me? And for mashing, for example, I always pick about 154 degrees because that's the critical ish temperature range where I want to be most accurate. Um, so I, we've got a calibrated uh, temperature bath, um, oil bath that we use, and um, I will calibrate uh, sensors with that. In a home environment, um, the other thing you can do if you want to do something like that to have a check, um, I find that the uh, thermopens, the thermopen brand, they're not cheap, um, but they're. Uh, a, I found them to be very close and consistent uh, over time um, to use a, a thermopen as a reference temperature. All right. Um, well, let's do this. Um, we need to take a short break. And when we do, we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, various devices and uh, and uh, how you might uh, calibrate them, what, what they're useful for, and, and the best ways to utilize them for greatest accuracy. All right. We'll be back right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack 
stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new Brew Easy. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs, and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all grain brewing but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises blickman engineering has the answer the blickman brew easy all grain brewing system the brew easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design perfect for any size brewing location at its core the brew easy is built on two gorgeous blickman boilermaker brew kettles a high temperature march pump and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater the brew easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Long time BN homie Michael Fairbrother. He wants you guys to check out MoonlightMeadery.com. Moonlight Meadery, mead for any occasion. Moonlight Meads are the reference standards for mead categories in the BJCP style guidelines. So if you want to learn about meads, get yourself some Moonlight Meadery meads and uh, read along in the in the style guides as you as you sip and enjoy them. And then be prepared to forget everything you learned right. once you're done with the bottles. <laughs> right. Yeah, once you, once you finish the bottle, uh, you'll have to start over again. So, uh, And right now you can save 10% on two or more bottles by using BN Army at www.moonlightmeadery.com slash shop. Wonderful, delicious, category-defining Moonlight Mead. Check them out and let them know we sent you. Use the offer code BN Army at checkout. Moonlightmeadery.com slash shop. All right. We were talking about uh, 
<clears throat> measurements and and uh, devices and things like that. But I want to backtrack just a little bit and uh, kind of put some context around all this. John uh, Palmer, uh, can you can you tell us why measuring temperature accurately is important? Ah, well. Um so many of your measurements depend on temperature as part of the basis for that measurement, whether you're talking about liquid volume, gas volume, um, rates, uh, flow rates. Um, volume is usually dependent upon temperature and pressure. Mm-hmm. So, volume of liquid, uh, that's volume why, of gas. Yeah. So, you know, knowing, you know, accurately knowing your temperature calibrated and so on is very important to uh, getting volume measurements correct. Mm -hmm. From there, um, you know, getting your your efficiency, uh, your specific gravity, all these things depend Mm -hmm. on temperature. Fermentation? Yeah. Fermentation? Uh, I can't tell you the number of times people are like, oh, yeah, I fermented it, uh, you know, 67 and, uh, you know, it's coming out all... I'm like, well, are you sure... And they're like, oh, yeah, I just found out it was actually closer to 80. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, well, yeah. there you go. Uh, might have affected your, your, your beer in the end. Let me just throw that out there. Okay, so, yeah, it, it affects just about every part of the brewing process. Temperature is so, so critical, uh, you know, from your mash to your, to your uh, sparge to your uh, fermentation to everything. Yeah. Okay, so uh Monsieur uh, Blickman, uh can yes. you uh run us through uh what are some of the devices we can use to measure temperature? Well, one of the uh the old school devices uh are the glass thermometers. Those have been around for mm-hmm. a long time. Um they're they make lab grade ones that are quite accurate and you know that over uh, certain ranges um the i believe the most accurate ones are mercury filled but it's probably not the best uh, device to use uh uh in a brewing application since it's somewhat poisonous um, no, only so, if, only if you drop it and it gets everywhere <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, those are, if you can find one of those, that can be, those can be a great reference thermometer. A lot of those uh, will, and and they really don't, uh, that I've ever heard of, go out of calibration. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can be a good reference thermometer, just so you can check your other thermometers um, that you're using. Um, uh, That's probably uh, one of the first ones. Um, there's probably one of the most common are bimetallic thermometer, and um, they're quite durable. Um, they they use two different types of metal that expand at different rates, and that's so. If you if you opened up a thermometer, you'd see a a, a, a little wire that goes from the um, from the needle down to the tip of your um, your probe. And um, there'll be a little coil of uh, metal down there that is made up of two different types of uh, metal that expand at different rates. And and then that is uh, uh, calibrated so that when it expands, um, that makes or gets hot, that makes the one sp- expand faster than the other, and it turns the dial. Um, it, they're pretty old school as well. Um, they're... Uh, 
they're generally plus or minus two percent of the scale, as I recall, on those. Um, and very common in in homebrew. This this is the kind of they're very common yes. uh, uh-huh. thermometer that you generally find on kettles and uh, things like that because um, you know they're they're fairly inexpensive, fairly accurate. They can be uh, recalibrated, uh, usually with a you know a screw or a nut. Right mm-hmm. on the back, and those those if if they've been bounced around or in transit and things like that, they can you know that they can move just a little bit, and then they will need calibration. So when you buy one of those, make sure that it does have one that has an adjusting screw on the back, mm-hmm. unless it's something you just want ballpark temperatures on, which um, I I wouldn't prefer. Um, so well, those are those are ones that I would um, um, definitely frequently check those, mm-hmm. even through throughout use. Um, it can become uh, out of calibration, not as much as if you're like whacking it around, but um, you know, just uh, through uh, essentially wear and tear. Uh, yeah, just wear know, and tear. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps a little bit of uh, liquid leaks in or humidity gets in there that can affect it. Um, and, so yeah, and, you can and that said, you do want to protect those from the heat of your burner because you. you you can break that hermetic seal and they can get fogged up inside and start uh, mm-hmm. getting corrosion. And uh, So do, do protect those, that's right. for sure. And you'd calibrate this with the, the crushed ice and uh, stirring it with some water or uh, boiling liquid. Or again, like you said, uh, depending on the use, if you're using it more for fermentation, maybe you want to calibrate it with the crushed ice uh, as your more important point because if you if you do both uh, the, 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 the freezing point and the boiling point um, sometimes these things won't calibrate both ways very very well <laughs> so right. mm-hmm. you kind of got to have to lean towards one or the other you go back and forth a couple of times and um, either you can kind of Cut your error between both, or um, you can lean towards the boiling. If it's, you're looking more for a mash thermometer, you can lean towards uh, freezing. If you're looking more towards, uh, uh, you know, low temperatures. Right. Absolutely. It, you know, and it's it's important to recognize it's you can't just take it for fact that it that is the exact number. You know, people say, "Oh, I can hold my mash within a tenth of a degree." Well, that's what the that's what the meter says. That doesn't. That doesn't necessarily mean that's where it's at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but other other types of thermometers, um, we're starting to see uh, people use like infrared thermometers. Mm-hmm. And I will the thing I will caution you with infrared thermometers is the um, emissivity of the surface. In other words, mm-hmm. the the um, the color, the shininess, reflectiveness. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the reflectiveness um, can can change that number drastically uh so those are I've, I've used those in troubleshooting stuff for engines and all sorts of different things in my past and they're great for um troubleshooting things but i don't use those for um consistent measurements delta t's delta mm-hmm. temp- temperatures on the same surface maybe right but um well uh, and and i would i would throw in there that um you know there's there's a few things to uh kind of fix that sometimes you could take a, a thin piece of uh, electrical tape or yeah black tape mm-hmm. black tape or painter's tape put it on the surface let it equilibrate and then you can use that if it's a shiny stainless surface or something like that the other the other thing i see people doing frequently is they put the the infrared thermometer really close to the surface 
And really, um, you need to back away. Uh, the 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 problem is there's a ratio of distance to the measurement spot. So different infrared guns have different ratios. Some of them, yeah, different you, sweet spots. Yeah, you get closer, and it's a you know. So you're you're measuring. If you get close, you're measuring this tiny little dot, and it's not enough real information to get an accurate reading. You need to back up, and you need to measure, you know, a one inch or a two inch surface, so that you're getting the true reading, and that's going to vary based on the type of gun. But even the cheapest ones do a pretty good job. And when you're trying to just determine, like you said. And uh, troubleshooting, we use it um, frequently on just a sanity check on certain things. It's like, well, this this gauge is reading this. Okay, let's just double check. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, that they're, mm-hmm. they're both reading. Or um, uh, steam traps at the brewery. Uh, the way you can tell if a steam trap is working or not is you measure the outflow side, and if it's you know boiling, well, no, it's not stopping the steam. Uh, so it should be lower. And the input side should be, you know, higher. So uh, that's one you can, you know, and those tend to be painted black. So it's really easy to to check with something like that versus, um, you know, trying to guess as whether your steam trap has gone bad or not. So Yeah, the flat black surfaces are definitely the way to go if you can uh, do that. Mm-hmm. They also have uh, uh, meters that will... Um, you can enter the ty- uh, an emissivity number, mm-hmm. and and that helps. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, in my experience, those are great for troubleshooting devices. Are fast and convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to you know get a probe into the uh, liquid or any of that other stuff. It's it's just a pretty quick way to go. Well, and I, I recommend it for you know the commercial brewery. You can check if you know cold air is coming out of your uh, you know HVAC ducks you know or warm air you know uh it's common for hvac people to use them uh, a lot of a lot of good uses around the around the brewery and again they're they're fairly cheap yep and then uh moving on to some of the other that a, a lot of people um uh use or, or heard about is uh thermocouples and a thermocouple is uh, two dissimilar metal wires that are um welded together at the at the at the tip and um, uh, one of the real common ones is iron constantan um, and uh, they create a very small voltage and you can measure that voltage and um, they're uh, uh, they've got some advantages uh, uh, one of the the things i like about them is they're extremely inexpensive um, they're super tough and durable vibration resistant um, you they they can handle some of them over 2,500 degrees. So, I mean, you, they've just got wide temperature ranges. They're also fast. Um, the drawback with them is they're a little less accurate than others. Two to four degrees, plus or minus two to, uh, to four degrees Fahrenheit is somewhat uh, typical. They also, over time, will tend to drift. Uh, and, and drifting is the, the temperature reading um, that you know, the bullseye point kind of starts shifting a little bit as they, you know, perhaps corrode a little bit or, um, you know, just get old. Um, they're, uh, they're lead wire sensitive. You have to use the right lead wires uh, for it to work property or properly. And uh, if you're in an electrical noisy area, they can be a little sensitive to that and give you some erroneous uh, readings. Uh, but thermocouples, you know, they're, uh, 
they're a, a, a well-known, uh, been used forever and ever uh, device um, that uh, I have I, used those for, for years in tons of different applications. But um, one of the uh, the next ones that a lot of people oh, hold, hear about. Hold on. Let's, 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 yeah. let's not just blow through. Let's uh, talk about sure. thermocouples a little bit more. Um, now, this is common. You'll see them on, uh, you know, when you buy a, a Johnson controller or a Ranco controller or whatever, which are really common in home brewing. Um, often they come with a thermocouple on them, right? A lot do, yeah. More, more of the older ones. Uh, some of them are also uh, thermistors, which we can talk about in a little bit too. Mm-hmm. And the wiring on it tends to be a, a, a two wire. There's no such thing as like a three wire or four wire thermocouple. It's always just two, correct? I think they have some that that you try to use in lab grade things that have like a junction compensation, mm-hmm. a reference, them. a reference uh, but line. I've, I've never. Uh, never used uh, those at those kind of temperatures. I've never, we, mm-hmm. we used to use them at Caterpillar for exhaust uh, temperature measurements, and uh, they were always accurate enough at the temperatures we needed. But generally, what you'll see is just a two wire. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and what's happening is they're, they're applying voltage through this, or the voltage is occurring because of the two dissimilar metals are being heated or cooled. And, right, uh, it's the, the similar metals create a uh, a voltage, a, a very tiny voltage. So, if your wiring is not uh, is has a lot of resistance to it, and your thermocouple is a long ways away, um, that could be an issue. Dirty, how, dirty connections, right. loose connections. How how long a wire can you use on a thermocouple? That also must impact it. It, it does, you know, and, and, and it's because of that, the voltage and the resistance um, of, the, of the wiring. You know, generally, uh, you know, I try to stay, you know, 50 feet or, or less. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there's some, you know, you know and in most, uh, like in home brewing, that's, that's plenty. I mean, you know, that, that generally doesn't need to be corrected for. Um, John, but, does, it, does the measurement change if you change the length of that lead? Uh, generally, not until you get to really large distances, and then and then you can start, uh, um, you know, doing some uh, corrections. I'm I'm going to see if there's a, a look up here on for some uh, uh, junction compensation for our, for uh, thermocouples. But I think it depends on um, both the type of wire used uh, as your as your leads to your your thermocouple. Right, the ty- the amount of resistance. Mm-hmm. You use cheap cheap wire. That you know, when you get a low resistance wire, it's it's quite a bit more expensive than just some general wire. Now, if your if your lengths are short, if you're talking just a few feet, that amount of resistance doesn't tend to be an issue. But um, you know, uh, with 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 length uh, comes great responsibility. You know, comes uh, uh, you know more resistance and. That can impact your reading. So, a lot of these uh, uh, thermocouple reading devices, the the, the actual uh, uh, meter itself, uh, will have uh, uh, compensation, a a an offset, which is essentially your calibration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, because of, because of that. Uh, change and, in, and in here I'm finding uh, a guideline under 100 feet with 20 gauge wire or thicker is generally not going to be a problem unless you're in a 
you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, an electromagnetic interference area where there's a lot of electrical noise. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if, you, if you're a brewer and you've ha- you have a thermocouple that has a long lead, say 20 feet, and you cut that down to 10, there's going to be no change really in the measurement due to that change in length. Not enough to to worry about, you know, and, it, and if you're really trying to get it super precise, you can calibrate after, you know, at a known temperature, yeah. you can calibrate for that. Yeah. In well, fact, we've got a, a thermocouple calibrator it actually gives a, a thermocouple signal and you can run that um, uh, through the meter and, and measure it, you know, if you really want to dial it in. Yeah. Well, and that's more more critical than when you're over 100 feet in length on these leads. As Absolutely. you would be in a in yeah. a in a brewery situation, well, and right, and, particularly a home brewery. Probably even more important in in the commercial brewery and and in yeah. in home brew yeah. as well is um, one of the things that that I see happening is when any wires in a in a brewery are not properly. Um, uh, you know, connected. If you're making any sort of connections, or any uh, junctions, any sort of terminations on a wire, you need to uh, use like uh, grease filled. You need to use uh, you know things that will occlude uh, moisture and all that because you're, you're working with caustics. Even though caustic may not actually hit that connection, um, you know when you're working with uh, hot caustic things like that, the vapor does get in the area and will corrode those those connections you tend to see a lot of corrosion on those those fine uh wires and um it can be a real problem that's more of an issue than you know the length of the wire yeah you know and you definitely want to have those liquid tight i mean you'll see you know a lot of these uh uh, like lab type connectors you just plug it in the back those things are going to corrode fairly quickly Mm -hmm. in a you know in a harsh environment you definitely want things very well uh hermetically sealed so you're you're not going to get humidity in and out right and if you have any removable contacts you're going to want to get yourself some uh, contact cleaner and uh, use it uh, on a regular basis just to ensure that those contacts are, are clean and good I've, I've seen it where uh, you know fermenter temperature all of a sudden is off by 50 degrees and it's like well what what happened it's like well you know the corrosion and eventually there's some very slight vibration and bing all of a sudden it's not reading correctly so you need to do regular maintenance especially of uh, removable contacts get yourself mm-hmm. a contact cleaner you can get it off of you know places like amazon i don't think your local homebrew shop has it but uh, it'd be a good idea if they did stock it and and recommend to people building their their systems and stuff to uh, use something like that. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about uh, RTDs and thermistors and a lot of other stuff, all about measuring temperature right after this. Are you a member of the White Labs Customer Club? If not, you should be. It's the easiest way to earn free stuff for turning in your old homebrew labels from either vials or pure pitch. All you have to do is save your labels and redeem them for things like free yeast, an exclusive White Labs t-shirt or sweatshirt, and even the opportunity to brew with the yeast man himself, Chris White. Signing up is easy. Just go to whitelabs.com slash customer club, fill out the registration form, and then mail in your labels. They will return the favor by sending you awesome White Labs. Swag. Go sign up today at whitelabs.com slash customer club. White Labs, pure yeast and fermentation since 1995. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like 
Wine Guys, Brew Strong. All right, I want to tell you about Grog Tag, your one-stop homebrew customization shop. They have it all, from reusable beer and wine labels to durable metal signs, high-quality coasters, and everything is customizable. So get creative over on grogtag.com with one of our hundreds of templates, and we'll print it on high-quality materials and ship it out to you. It's easy. Check out grogtag.com today and use the code BNARMY to save 10% on your next order. That's grogtag.com. All right, uh, we were talking, uh, uh, we were deep into thermocouples, and I think we, we pretty much covered. Did you guys have any other thoughts about uh, uh, I do. Uh, thermo- oh, there you go. All right. Uh, what, one thing to remember with uh, thermocouples is there's, geez, I don't know, 10 or more different types of mm-hmm. thermocouples mm-hmm. that are different mm-hmm. types of wires that are uh, for all sorts of different uses, high temperature, low temperature, blah, mm-hmm, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. The most uh, common ones that you will see is a J type and mm-hmm. a K type. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, both work fine for brewing temperature ranges. But the important thing is to know which kind you have and that you set your meter to that type because they will read, they just won't read correctly. Mm-hmm. So you can plug a K type into a J type. Uh, PID, and it'll read a number, but it won't be right. You have to get that set right. So just make sure you uh, know which type you have and get your meter set accordingly. Now, knowing our listeners, uh, I just got to say, they're going to want to know what does J and K stand for? Uh, J and K are both letters of the alphabet, and that's about as far as I know. I've never (laughs) really... Been fascinated enough and curious enough to look that up and find out. <laughs> well, and I wonder if this is this is the story because um, uh, I used to teach scuba diving, and one of the things uh, in scuba diving there used to be a J valve and a K valve, and uh, one had a, um, a like a emergency reserve type of setting when. Uh, when it stopped delivering air, you pulled down on this 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 lever, and it delivered like your last hundred psi that was in the tank. The problem was sometimes it was down, you forgot to set it up, so it really kind of uh, went out of favor. But there was J, K, J valve and K valve, and I used to teach students. I'm like, yeah, it kind of looks like a J, kind of looks like a K. They're like, oh yeah, I see it. <laughs> And, but that's not what they were named. Um, they were named that way because in the, the very first uh, scuba gear catalogs, um, uh, the one type of valve was, was item J and the other type of valve was item K. And so people just started referring to them as you know, the J valve or the K valve in the catalog. And so the name stuck, and it just became that. So I'm just wondering if thermocouples would be the same thing. It was like they had like a whole list of them, and it was A, B, C, D, E, F, G, you know, and then this was uh, J, and K became the most popular ones, and so people just kept referring to them that way. I believe that's probably the case. Now I'm going to have to look that up. Right. But the, the see, old Omega book or something. Right, yeah. exactly. Whoever first uh, came out with them, uh, you know, they had a list of them. And uh, probably J and K. There you go. I'm just, I'm just uh, here to confuse things. Well, but do our, you remember how we used to covet catalogs like that before the Internet? <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. To get, to get the Omega catalogs was awesome. Yeah. It was bigger oh. than the McMaster car catalog. Oh, yeah. Big fan of the, the, the Sears catalog, the... Uh, 
you know, oh, the yeah. women's section, the lingerie <laughs> section. I mean, I before the internet, right I'm just there. saying. Yeah. So predictable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now that we got and the that Williams out. catalog, too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, catalogs, catalogs. Um, all right. Uh, we, we talked about thermocouples. All right. So that wraps up thermocouples. Uh, what about uh, RTDs? That's a very uh, uh, common uh, uh, device as well these days, right, John? Sounds very techy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, stands for resistance temperature detector. Or there's probably a number of different ways you can have that. But basically, what that is, the most common one is a 100 ohm platinum RTD. Um, and uh, they they change uh, resistance with temperature, and the hundred ohm simply means at zero C, uh, the resistance of that is a hundred ohms. Uh, so what is really um, nice about that is you you basically just have a voltmeter is essentially what your your gauge is that's reading that um, resistance. So it puts a a known voltage across it, and uh, you know or uh, uh, current through it and then it can um, measure uh, uh, the resistance so that's that's essentially uh, what you're doing there um, and uh, they're extremely linear that's one of the nice things so um, you know if you were to plot um, temperature versus resistance it's nice and linear and um, uh, consistent that's one of their hallmarks um, they're kind of uh, the go-to sensor for um, uh, very high precision. They, you know, they tend to be extremely repeatable. Um, there's a couple different. There's like B type and A type, or class B or class A, and that just basically means how much more precise is it. And of course, a class A RTD is more expensive than a class uh, B RTD. Um, they're, uh, they have a reasonable uh, temperature range, um, you know, from, geez, I don't know, like probably minus 200 Celsius up to, oh, 600 Celsius or so. Mm -hmm. um, there's probably some that go further ranges, but um, certainly much more than you would really need in a, a home brewing environment, um, uh, even a, a commercial brewing environment, unless you're trying to measure exhaust temperatures of a of a uh, uh, a burner or something, but um, they're uh, um, they're unfortunately the most expensive of the uh, uh, the devices. Um, there, the other drawback is that they don't have a large resistance change um, over their their complete range. For example, between zero and 100 C, you only have uh, about 30 30 ohms um, that it changes. So you have to have a a very accurate uh, voltmeter connected to it, essentially. Um, so uh, that that's one of the things to factor in. Um, they're uh, they are like we we're talking about with the uh, thermocouples not really being that sensitive to lead length. Uh, uh, RTDs definitely are. Um, they do make some two wire. Um, uh, uh, RTDs because you really only need two wires to measure resistance, um, but I rarely see them in use. You almost always mm -hmm. see a three wire. Well, the, the third then, wire is is that uh, so you can go longer lead lengths. So I think right. you can go five hundred or a thousand feet, 
and with the the three wire because what they do is send the voltage down both both wires and then they measure also the difference in voltage that has gone through because of the resistance of the wire the voltage changes when it reaches there and so that's part of what they take into calculation to see what the uh, effect of the leads was and that gives you a more precise uh, resistance reading right Absolutely. You're measuring, you're, what they're doing is they're measuring the resistance of the wire, you know, which may be several ohms, uh, and that will affect the, the reading the longer you get on lead. So what they do is they just use the same type of wire um, for all of it, and then they measure the uh, uh, one of the leads just to see what the resistance of just the, the wire is, and uh, then they compensate for that internally, and that's how you uh, uh, go about doing that. So those are the uh, the most uh, common is the three wire. Usually you'll have like two reds and a white. Um, so you, you'll generally have two that are the same color and um, one that is your signal wire, if you if you will. That'll be a different color, like black or white. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I've you know again most PIDs and everything else they all use a three wire. There are four wire uh, RTDs um, that has like a junction compensation uh, in it. I've personally never. Uh, uh, use those probably in you know super high precision uh, or high noise areas or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'll you'll just see the three wires most commonly, and the hundred ohm is real common. Now there are two different types. There's the U.S. curve and the European curve. Um, it's like a 385 versus a 392. I, I may mm-hmm. be slightly off on those numbers. Is one the, curves what the to the left, is. one curves to the right. Yeah, it must be left or right. Yes. Uh, and, um, you know, again, it's just important to know which one you have. And most um, PIDs and meters I've seen, you can set it for which curve you have. Mm-hmm. In the States, obviously, most of them are going to be the U.S. curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, some you know other cons to that is there a little – and sometimes it's not bad. Um, is they respond? They're one of the slower responding ones. You know, somewhere between one and fifty seconds. Um, you know, so sometimes if if you don't, you know, if you, you know, if you're having temperatures that are that are just kind of swinging up and down real quick, this kind of will average it for you if you have a slower responding one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always bad. Um, right. No rapid don't, fluctuations. Right, right. Um, particularly if you're trying to use that as a controller, you don't want the controller thinking it's bouncing all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, that's you know sometimes uh, good, sometimes not good. You really kind of just need to look at it, take a sensor and figure out what which the best one for my application. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't like vibration particularly well. Um, that's why we on engines we'd always use uh, uh, thermocouples just because they um, tolerated that a little better. Um, uh, and you do again need a a, a pretty accurate uh, meter to discern the differences in those resistances, uh, but they're nice and 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 stable and uh, uh, perfectly suitable for the temperature ranges we use in in brewing. Okay. Um, one little one little tip for people on the RTDs, uh, especially you know commercial brewery owners that are doing longer runs. Uh, you can find RTD wire, um, but a lot of times they're just labeling something that is uh, low resistance uh, wire, and you can find similar low resistance wire uh, sold as not RTD wire, and um, it, it's really the resistance that 
means everything. Good copper wire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and you do want to make sure they're all the same gauge wire. Right. And the, 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 and that, you know, you can get like a a three conductor, um, low resistance and, and good copper, you know, it's, it's the amount of impurities in the copper, the amount of oxygen in the copper, things like that, that affect the, uh, Mm -hmm. the resistance. And, um, I've been buying off of Ramcorp, I think it is. And they tend to have a really huge selection of wires uh, by the spool at, at reasonable prices. Not advertisers, but uh, you might check them out if you're looking to get a thousand feet of uh, wire for your RTDs, like I have in the past. So, yeah. Um, another another thing you'll see with RTDs, uh, particularly in, in uh, industrial environments, um, uh, so you're not uh, you know picking up noise or other things as well, is they'll they'll use a uh, an RTD that on the the junction the junction box end of it will have a uh, signal converter that will actually convert that to a four to twenty milliamp signal is mm-hmm. is a pretty common one, mm-hmm. and then um, you're just basically sending a current to the uh, meter that's just uh, measuring that current and then converting that to temperature, mm-hmm. and so that that kind of gets rid of the lead length um, issue as well. Mm-hmm. So that's another way I've seen it uh, seen it done. All right. Okay. Uh, and then what about, uh, you mentioned this earlier, uh, uh, thermistors. Yes, thermistors uh, have, there's just been a lot of uh, work on those the past, I don't know, 10, 20 years. And you're seeing uh, a lot more of those. A lot of people don't even realize uh, that they have thermistors. Um in like uh, you know the a lot of the like Ranco and and uh, uh, other devices, uh, Inkbird and whatnot, they're actually starting to use um, thermistors. Um, they are uh, a ceramic or polymer and or polymer material that changes uh, resistance with temperature. Um, they have you know a. a the like the RTD was um, at zero C was um, hundred ohms. A thermistor they, they they can vary what where they want the 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 sweet spot, which is kind of nice. Um, but they will be at their reference temperature will be ten thousand ohms, um, which is great, except that it's extremely nonlinear. So there are uh, equations that you have to have in your reading device, or not the equation actually, but um, they will program it um, to convert that nonlinear resistance into um, a temperature. Um, So they're they're about as inexpensive as thermocouples. Um, They're... uh, this is the interesting and convenient thing for brewing. Um, they are actually uh, can be even more accurate than a Class A RTD over the um, range that you do uh, brewing. So in that, you know, zero to boil, you know, that you know zero C to boiling hundred C, uh, they're actually quite accurate and uh, uh, very precise. Um, they're super fast responding. Um, vibration tolerant again that's not really that I've never been around a, 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 a brew house that was vibrating that much but um, you know the the main con is that smaller temperature range so they have limited applications for like higher temp things I think they go up to typically uh, you know just a, a, a few hundred uh, Fahrenheit 
uh, in that range typically and down to, oh, minus 20 or so, I think. Um, but uh, they're you know, really uh, quite well suited uh, for that. But the real nice thing is with that high gain or that big uh, resistance change, you know, just from a zero to 100C, they'll change uh, 20,000 ohms. So uh, they really, you know, and, and that's where you don't have to worry about uh, lead length compensation because the resistance of that wire might, you know, over a thousand feet might be, you know, a few ohms and it's like well big deal i'm measuring in thousands of ohms here mm -hmm. so uh that's a that's pretty nice even if you have a bad con you know a somewhat slightly bad connection mm -hmm. um that contact resistance may not be enough to change noticeably change that uh reading so um they're uh you know they're an interesting uh, uh device they're uh, nice and stable, very inexpensive, and uh, I certainly wouldn't shy away from using those uh, in the environment um, for brewing. The only uh, drawback is some PIDs uh, uh, don't um, have uh, the uh, capability to read them, and um, they do change from manufacturer to manufacturer because, like, like I was saying, they can just change the mix. And uh, uh, and then you can kind of shift the sweet spot of the uh, of the accuracy of that device. So uh, interesting. Okay, yeah. So uh, matching matching your your meter to your your uh, probe uh, means a lot. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll wrap up all about uh, uh, temperatures and measurements right after this. Brewing Great Beer is a process of continuous learning, and the best books on every aspect of brewing can be found at Brewers Publications, with more than 50 awesome titles like Modern Homebrew Recipes by Gordon Strong, Designing Great Beers, The Ultimate Guide to Brewing Classic Beer Styles by Ray Daniels, American Sour Beers, Innovative Techniques for Mixed Fermentations by Michael Tonsmeyer, For the Love of Hops, The Practical Guide to Aroma, Bitterness, and the Culture of Hops by Stan Hieronymus and Radical Brewing Recipes, Tales, and World Altering Meditations in a Glass by Randy Mosher, plus many, many more. These are the books and the authors with the knowledge to push your brewing farther than you thought possible. And you'll find them all at fine homebrew and book retailers everywhere. And visit the website at BrewersPublications.com. Brewers Publications, all the best on beer and brewing. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. I wonder if people remember Lance Armstrong's nuts and his nut thing. I think people may be forgetting by now. It's great that you still find it amusing after all this <laughs> I find time. It's so amusing. <laughs> it cracks me up. Uh, I remember that. I remember that day of writing that copy. Uh, and I'll tell you what. Uh, our good friends at the American Homebrewers Association, I doubt that they remember that, uh, but they are makers of the free uh, Brew Guru mobile app. If you love brewing and beer and saving money on beer, you need Brew Guru in your corner. Uh, this app offers a searchable database of homebrew recipes, including popular craft beer clones and hundreds of award-winning recipes. What's more, Brew Guru has a searchable map of deals at breweries, beer bars, and homebrew shops. Grab the free Brew, Brew Guru app 
uh, for iPhone and Android devices and follow the path to good beer. All right. Um, so, talking about all these uh, different types of uh, uh, devices to measure, um, one of the things that uh, always comes up, and and I've always said, you know, just just tape your sensor to the outside of your your fermenter, maybe cover it with a piece of uh, foam insulation or something, and, and you're good to go. Um, do we need uh, thermal wells for for this sort of thing? That is a very good question, and we get asked that uh, pretty frequently with our uh, fermenters. What I'm I'm very much a simple is better kind of mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in my um, I, I prefer use a, less a penetrations freezer. myself. What's that? I prefer fewer penetrations myself. <laughs> Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I actually use a the aluminum duct tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the metallic aluminum foil duct tape because it conducts. And I actually use that to tape mm-hmm. it onto the side of my um, fermenter. They sell it in the uh, HVAC section that's uh, in, in your local hardware store. Right. Yeah. And a, a, a roll of it will last you an eternity. And uh, so I've, I've used that and measured uh, using the same device inside, you know, so there's no difference in the, in the measuring device. So I'm just looking for the Delta T on a 14-gallon fermenter, uh, the difference between taped on the side with the aluminum foil tape uh, that is thermally conductive. So you're really sending, getting that temperature right to that sensor and then uh, dropped it after sanitizing, of course, into the uh, uh, middle of the fermenter, and it was less than half a degree Fahrenheit difference. So uh, not enough that I, I I felt like I needed to use a uh, uh, a uh, thermal well. Mm-hmm. Um, now that said, the one nice thing about um, thermal wells um, and where they really came into use was where uh, if the environment inside the vessel was under pressure mm-hmm. or you know under high pressure or uh, very corrosive and might be harmful to the sensor, um, uh, or if it was a mission critical and you needed to be able to change that sensor out without draining the vessel. Um, those were definitely uh, uh, where um, thermal wells came into play. Mm-hmm. Well, we, uh, we use the thermal. other thing is a very large vessel. Very uh-huh. large vessel. Mm-hmm. You really need. Then you're going to get a little bit more temperature stratification through it, not only vertically but uh, radially. You know, from the center towards the edges. So, uh, for commercial application, thermal wells are. Uh, a really uh, unnecessary thing. Well, we for- we use we use them on our large fermenters, um, uh, you know, really because the fermenters are insulated for one. Yeah, you know, so you mm-hmm. can't just put a sensor on the outside. But even then, if we're questioning uh, one of our meters, we'll take a handheld fluke meter with an RTD tip and touch it to the door of the fermenter, just to mm-hmm. you know compare compare temperatures and I. I assure everyone that that temperature is exactly the same as the temperature inside in the middle of the thing. It's uh, it's going to be pretty darn close. Yeah, it really is, and it's you know it's kind of one of these. It, it's not elegant or cool, mm-hmm. uh, but it works. Now, what you don't want to do is just dang like if you're using a freezer, upright freezer, or chest freezer or refrigerator. Um, you generally don't want to just dangle the probe in the in the air. 
um, right. because it can, uh, especially for something that's generating heat, because it can <laughs> cause your refrigerator to cycle more often than it needs to. Well, um, and and you want to measure the, the fermentation temperature of the beer, not the air around yes. it. The actual beer is what you're you're controlling the temperature of. That's right. fermentation control. Yeah, there's just room control or freezer box control. And, yeah, uh, like a cellar control. If if it's like yeah. kegs in a in a in a cellar, in a geezer, sure. Yeah, you know, you're, there's no heat being generated, so uh, you know you're you're fine just mm-hmm. uh, placing that in in the air. But when you're fermenting, you need to control the fermentation. Not I take people drive. Absolutely. Oh, I'm so passionate about that. Well, and what about something like thermal paste? Um, you know, when when uh, we have thermal wells, and I used to fill them with thermal paste, and then I stopped after a certain point. I'm like, you know, the conductivity, the stainless thermal well, eh, it'll it'll get there eventually. I mean, I don't care if it takes five minutes, ten minutes, it doesn't matter to me. I use thermal paste in applications where um, temperatures move quickly mm-hmm. and you want to be able to measure them because you need something to transfer that heat right um rapid to that fluctuations sensor. sure or and i'm sure jamila's had this problem frequently if your if your thermal well is too paste, shallow paste on my probe yeah and you can't get your you know your your probe's not uh in there right all the way um you, you can get some paste. you can get some environmental effects where the outside of the um device will influence the temperature mm-hmm. uh inside mm-hmm. so if you use the paste then you get more of that um conductivity inside but um in general um i find it's it's not enough of a difference in temperature to worry about right i mean you're talking tenths of a degree um you know and it's different if you had like a one inch thermal well and you're putting a tiny little probe in there um, versus something that's fairly close fitting. Okay, enough of the personal <laughs> stuff. I knew you were going to run with that. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap up with some uh, final recommendations. Um, I mean, it sounds like there's a use for for pretty much every one of these devices that we talked about for measuring. I mean, the, the spirit thermometer. Uh, the bimetallic, that's very common and, 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 you know, great to use. The infrared could even be used. Uh, thermocouples, RTDs, and thermosisters. Yep. Um, so any, any general recommendations? I, I think maybe the biggest recommendation is having some way to calibrate your uh, measurement devices. You know, use them. Use them often. You know, yeah. check your your temperature, your mash, your fermentation, your you know. Yeah, yes. I think that is the most important point, Jamil. Yeah, and the the thermo pens, I found them to be a a, a reasonably yeah a viable home calibration device. They actually they actually use a thermistor mm-hmm. um, with a very accurate um, sensing um, uh, algorithm inside, um, and I found them to be. Um, uh, pretty solid as far as uh, being able to use that for calibration and it's pretty easy and, and you just want to um, you know uh, have a reference temperature and put both probes that you're curious about together and uh, and you can check to see if you're if you're on um, you know and then the other thing too I, I I try to tell people that are you know worried about one degree difference in their mash temperature is I always tell them 
the good Lord did not calibrate enzymes <laughs> to tenths of a degree. Yeah, doesn't so, matter. Yeah, the the good big point. thing is that you can be consistent. Mm-hmm. Not that it has to be, you know, exactly this or it's going to be crappy beer. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't, you know, as, as you know, Jamel, it, it's just, it's important, but it's not, you know, just ridiculously important. Um, and, uh, you know, and some of the other things are, you know, when you're measuring things, you just want to make sure that you're, you, if something doesn't seem right, uh, question your measurement device. And then when you're selecting a measurement device, just get one that's going to be accurate enough for what it is you need to do. There you go. Good advice from the man himself. Uh, great show. Uh, if you're listening live, stay tuned. We've got another one coming up. We're going to do more measurements. We're going to talk uh, volumes. Uh, no, are we going to talk volumes? Uh, yeah, we're going to talk volumes next. Uh, and again, you know, if you have, you're struggling with your, your, your brew process, Getting volume measurements down can really help. So uh, stay tuned for that. And check out all our fine sponsors. I highly suggest you go to BlickmanEngineering.com and check out all the goodies that they have there. They're always inventing new things to improve your brew day. So uh, check that out. And while you're there, maybe send an email to our fine sponsor, John Blickman. Uh, You can send it to uh, feedback at Blickman Engineering. Tell them how much you appreciate that he pays for the show so you don't have to. And uh, you can check out the Brewing Network uh, store, uh, thebrewingnetwork.com slash store. You go there, uh, find lots of goodies. You find uh, hoodies and hats and and shirts and all sorts of other good stuff to uh, enhance your your street cred uh, around the the brewers and the breweries and things like that. Uh, I tell you, when you go into breweries and they see you wearing some BN gear, uh, they know that you're uh, a passionate person about brewing and beer, so uh, it can pay off in weird ways. <laughs> right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Until later, Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>